It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Locked On Thunder is brought to you by rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And on today's show, it's game day. The NBA is back. They're going to play inside the bubble starting today on Thursday night. You've got Zion. You've got everything you could want with the NBA seeding game. So let's preview what could happen inside the Disney World bubble with my guest today, Thunder Twitter extraordinaire. You can find him on Twitter at Thunder Chats, commonly referred to as simply Chats. Chats, how are you doing today? I'm do, doing pretty great, Ryan. How about you? I'm doing great. I mean, obviously, we're going to get to watch some real basketball tonight that matters. The scrimmages have been awesome, but it's time to actually play games that matter. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. We're ready to get into it. So let's just start there with your Twitter because, uh, first of all, how did you become and when did you become a Thunder fan? Because I know you live in Kentucky and we've, we've talked before about Kentucky and Kansas basketball. How did your Thunder fandom come about? Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I've, I've told a few people about this, but um, I was introduced to basketball probably like late, late middle school, early high school, and I was a big Allen Iverson fan. And um, that was – that was kind of my introduction to basketball. Um, I saw Iverson playing. I admired the way he played the game, his passion, his determination. And, you know, that kind of fizzled out. Uh, he <laughs> he kind of had a rough ending to his career. And so I didn't have any attachment to the Sixers, Grizzlies, Pistons, any of the teams that he played for. So I was like, all right, I, I like the NBA. I want to find a team that I can actually root for, a team I can call my own. And it was around that time that the Thunder were an eight seed in the playoffs going against Kobe's one seed Lakers, in which we pushed them to six games. Uh, you know, you got the young nucleus of Russ Westbrook, Kevin Rand, James Harden. Uh, you know, you touched on I'm a UK fan, so I love a college atmosphere. And I felt like that was something that Chesapeake Energy Arena brought. The fans at the peak were rocking even when their team was losing the standing ovation after they were eliminated like that that really stuck out to me so yeah from then on man I was a I was a Thunder fan never looked back so you know I don't want this show just to be button up media members and we've done that before we've had Madison Morrison Brady Trantham all of the great media members around you know the Thunder organization I do want to bring on you as a super fan and in fact as we mentioned on the top of the show you have an entire account dedicated to just the thunder uh, and what kind of influenced you uh, to make that twitter i know you followed me on that twitter whenever you had like 25 followers and it was yeah. it's simply about just the thunder and ever since then i know you won't take credit for this but i'm going to give it to you because ever since that day that you followed me on twitter and, and i saw uh, your interactions there there's been accounts popping up left and right that are simply about specific teams and even specific players. So what kind of influenced you to just go ahead and do that with the Thunder? Did you see something or did you say, hey, this would be cool. It's kind of all I'm interested in talking about on Twitter. Let's just talk about basketball. Let's call it Thunder Chats. What kind of went into that? Because like I said, I've noticed a ton of things, you know, of specific players, specific teams, 
that, that pop up ever since you came along? Yeah, man, honestly, it, it was, I never thought that it would come to this. Like I was on Reddit a lot around trades, uh, the trade deadline um, when we had Carmelo and Paul George, and I was always throwing all these fake trades. I was interacting with people on their trade ideas because, you know, that's just what I did. I, I, I still love, you know, fake trade scenarios. It's just fun to me. And somebody actually DM me. I was like, Hey, you should, you know, you should think about doing a podcast. I like your takes. I think you could be good at this. And at the time I'm like, and no, like I, I, I hate the sound of my voice on any kind of playback or anything like that. But, you know, then that that's what it came to. I started doing it. And basically Twitter was just a vehicle for my podcast at first, um, you know, just another way to get it out there. And, you know, the first few times that I posted on Twitter, I didn't get a lot of feedback. And then I started to realize, well, most of my following is people I know personally who don't have a connection to the Thunder, so they don't really care about what I'm talking about. So I really try to branch out and try to find people that, you know, shared that interest with the Thunder. And, you know, like I said, it was a vehicle for my podcast, but over time, I mean, my Twitter became, you know, more important to me than my podcast did. And, you know, of course, I've I've joined forces with a couple other people on Twitter to make another podcast, and like that's just as important for uh, to me as my Twitter is now. But yeah, I mean it's it's just kind of crazy how it's kind of took them legs and you know just ran away. Yeah, I mean it's it's gotten out of control here for you. I mean you had the thunder, you have you have this thing where where you you say you know what day is it and everyone says game day back to you and the thunder joined in on that. How did that come about? How did you decide? You know what? I'm going to dedicate myself 82 nights a year until a goal pandemic comes, but 82 nights a year, I'm going to say every single Thunder game day, bright and early, I'm going to make sure I have a tweet ready to go. How did you think of that? And why did you, why did you do that to yourself? That's a lot to keep up with. <laughs> Man, honestly, I couldn't tell you when or why I started it. I, I believe that we, we played a game on a Friday and I think it was when we was playing Portland at this last year's playoffs. And it was like, it was kind of one of those things like there's no wrong answer. Like you could say it's Friday. Yeah, it's Friday. It's the end of the week. It's payday. Yeah, it's payday. You know, a lot of people are getting paid, but also like it's game day. And that was what a lot of people's answer was. And I don't know, man, I just, it, it just became something that I, I, I kind of ran with. And, you know, as the season's gone on this year, I've, I've kind of tried to add more personality to it. Um, they are all in caps lock. That's, that's all me. I try, I try to provide as much energy as I can on the timeline. So you got to throw the caps lock. You got to throw some, some kind of cool picture, thunder picture to get Twitter hype. And yeah, man, I mean, uh, full disclosure, I reached out to the thunder and Velveeta. I don't know if you follow the Velveeta Twitter chronicles, but I reached out to them to try to participate in this game day because it was so important. I wanted this to be the most, you know, the craziest game day tweet in the history of game day tweets because, you know, we've gone five months without basketball. Like, we've been deprived, and I, I just wanted the hype to be as big as it could possibly be. So, yeah, when when Velveeta responded, they actually responded before they saw my DM. But – and I I don't know when the Thunder account saw it, but the fact that they responded to it and interacted with it, man, I was I was beyond high. <laughs> So, again, we're going to preview the bubble. Don't worry about that. But I, I do want to use this podcast as a vehicle to kind of tell, you know, not just the stories of the media members we've had on, like Keith Smith, but also just Thunder fans in general. Because I remember whenever I was like you and just had an upstart Thunder podcast that I was in my room making and, and 
maybe some people from high school listened to it. Maybe they didn't. Who knows? Uh, and then now I got this opportunity with David Locke, which is awesome. But I want to really promote what you're doing here because your Twitter account is something that has truly blossomed into something I don't think that you ever dreamed of. And I think anyone can, can just dream of their account blowing up the way that yours has as a Thunder fan. Uh, explain to me the Velveeta thing because I have seen it all over the timeline. How could you not? You see it uh, whenever they have a Q&A on Thunder Reddit because of your interaction with them on Twitter. What, what went into that? How, how did Velveeta get involved? Take me through the every step of Velveeta and yourself because I am lost. I try to keep up with it. I can't, it's a spinning web I just, can't, I just can't seem to find the start point of. No, man, it was uh, – I, I, I still to this day don't understand it. Like, of all the things that have happened on my Twitter, it's by far the wildest thing. And, and the fact that it's a continued interaction just, like, blows my mind. But basically what it was, I was bored one day, and there was, like, a meme going around on Twitter, like, made me choose between two things. And somebody said, like, macaroni or green beans. I was like, well, macaroni, but it has to be Velveeta. I love Velveeta macaroni. Like, before I ever interacted with Velveeta, like – yeah, I said, it has to be Velveeta. I didn't at them or anything. I just said, it has to be Velveeta. And, you know, about five hours later, um, Vel- I saw Velveeta's account with a check mark on it, quote tweeted it and said, in all caps lock, which was very, which was very fond to my heart because I love the caps lock. But they said, heck yes, Thunder Chat. Or no, they said, shell yeah, Thunder Chats. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, wow, Velveeta. Velveeta you know comment back at me and then they started saying all these things about Shea and Stephen Adams and Lou Dort referencing uh, the comeback against the Clippers in the playoffs when we had Russell Westbrook and he made the three uh, free throws at the end of the game and like just really showing off their Thunder fan chops and you know I was I was shocked my mind was blown so I was retweeting all this and then you know I have a pretty big Thunder following so they were seeing all this so yeah, I mean, you know, uh, long story short, Thunder will eventually be the official macaroni and cheese of the Thunder, if I have any say in it. And if they, if they do sweep in and get the naming rights of the, of the arena, I think that you should get a cut of that. I think that that couldn't have happened without you and your interactions on Twitter with Elvita. Hey, absolutely. I'm all for that. So after the break, we're going to continue our conversation by diving into the NBA bubble. What's going to happen inside the bubble? You don't need to watch it because we're going to tell you exactly what's happening on the Locked On Thunder podcast. Start your morning with news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boudou and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends that are shaping our world. This episode is also brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com has all the parts your car will ever need for an amazing selection with reliably low prices. You can go to rockauto.com right now. They've been a family-owned business for 20 years serving you auto parts online. That's right. 20 years ago, probably couldn't work the internet all that well, but you could have been getting all the parts your car would ever need at rockauto.com. Look, their website is so easy to navigate. And what I love most about their website, as someone who knows nothing about cars, you go to rockauto.com, you put in your car type, your make, your model, and then they're they're only going to show you parts that are compatible with your car. That way you're not buying things that don't fit right or aren't compatible with your vehicle. They're only going to sell you parts that you need. And you need to just go ahead and skip going to a chain auto parts store because all they're going to do is tap on their computer, order you a part online, and then upcharge you for the part they ordered online. Skip the upcharge. Go to rockauto.com for an amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. 
Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. So, I want to get your NBA awards prior to the bubble because we do know that it's going to be cemented and, and locked in and they're going to be handed out while they're in the bubble. Uh, but these eight seeding games, the playoffs, it does not matter. It does not impact the voting. So I've set mine at MVP with Giannis, six men with Dennis, defensive player of the year with AD, most improved. I've got it going to Brandon Ingram. And then coach of the year, I have Nick Nurse. So that's what I've said on this podcast. What Go down that list. So let's start with MVP. Who's your MVP right now before the eight seeding games? MVP, man, it's got to be honest. I mean, he, he took what he did last year, and he's just built upon it. And what I think that a lot of people kind of miss out on what Giannis is doing is the fact that he's doing it in 30 to 32 minutes a game. Like, he's he's being low management on a night-to-night basis, but he's still putting up these just ridiculous numbers, like historically great numbers. So, yeah, Giannis far and away for me, MVP. And then do you have Dennis as your sixth man? Oh, absolutely, man. I mean – um beyond the fact that he's a you know he's a thunder guy like I'm I'm not being biased like he has more points off the bench than any other player in the league right now and I I'm just a, a big guy of like you know you can't have two guys coming off your bench and one of them be you know and, and both of them be six man of the year candidates by by definition one of them have to be seventh man so sorry Trez sorry we will this is this is Schroeder's award so I think that this is where there's room to disagree here because I do have defensive player going to AD, but I would, ex- I would accept Giannis. There's a lot of guys here that you can pick. Who's your defensive player of the year if you had a vote? Yeah, Gian- Giannis is my guy here. Um, just, just the versatility that it gives you defensively because not only can he hold somebody on the perimeter, he can be a force in the paint in terms of the shot blocking. And uh, I-, I have no quarrels with AD. I know he's a phenomenal defender and he's the UK guy, so – uh, I'm with you there too. Yeah, and and you're in the the majority here with the Lockdown Podcast Network because we did have our own voting ceremony type thing, and and they picked Giannis as well for Defensive Player of the Year. I just really love what AD did down low and how he kind of took a little bit of that pressure off of LeBron on that defensive end. Uh, but most improved, this to me is my favorite award because it, it, there's so many levels to it. Do you feel comfortable giving it to a second year guy like Luca, who's in the MVP conversation? Even do you like Bam? Uh, Brandon Ingram's in there. There's so many ways you can go here. I went Brandon Ingram because I think that he's going to be the one to win it. Uh, if it was just my vote straight up, I would go Bam, your guy, Bam out of bio. The way that he's taken his game to a new level and what he's done for Miami has been huge. Who's your most improved player? Yeah, it's Bam for me. And, like, if you just look at his counting stats, like the jump that he's taken on his rebounds and his points are very dramatic. But he's improved in his assists, his steals, his blocks. And, you know, just going back to what I was saying about Giannis, like he gives you just so much versatility on defense but also offense. Like I never thought when I was watching Bam at Kentucky that he would be running the pick and roll in the NBA, like, with the starters one day but I mean that's what he does like they run so many Bam Myers Leonard pick and rolls in Miami and 
uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just continually, my mind is blown by the growth and development of Bam Adebayo. And then last one for, for the awards prior to the bubble, coach of the year. And so my argument here has been the, the best coach in the NBA is Nick Nurse. He, he is flat out the best coach in the NBA. Um, but that doesn't always translate to winning awards. If that was the case, you would see LeBron have a lot more MVPs. So if they vote based on narrative, uh, Billy Donovan has a, has a strong chance. And he's my number two, even with me voting for Nick Nurse. Uh, but the problem is that not only does Nick Nurse have that uh, – title of best coach in the NBA. He has a narrative of his own. And you look at the fact that they lost Kawhi and many expect them to take a step back and they haven't really done that. So I, I think when it all comes out in the wash, Billy Donovan is going to be your number two uh, in the coach of the year running and then Nick Nurse is going to win it. How do you see the coach of the year playing out? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Um, you know, there's a lot of worthy coaches for the coach of the year uh, consideration. I mean, Spolcher's done a great job in Miami. Um, considering where they were last year. And then I know Lee Jenkins out of Memphis is like a sexy name for, you know, what he's been able to do with the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, but I, I feel I feel like what you said spot on. I mean, what Nick Nurse has been able to do with this Raptors team without Kawhi Leonard. And uh, I think the development of Pascal Siakam, I mean, at least he deserves a little bit of credit um, for that in and of itself. But the fact that they lose a guy like Kawhi Leonard and they're still the number two team in the East, I mean, that's, that's hard to argue with. But, hey, shout out Billy Donovan because he's done a phenomenal job too. I mean, if you, if you told any Thunder fan this time a year ago, he'd be in the coach of the year conversation, they'd laugh at you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually I threw out a I threw out the prediction in our uh, season preview for our podcast. It was kind of tongue in cheek, but it it is fun to throw back out there. <laughs> uh, let's move inside the bubble now, and let's start with the awards of inside the bubble. What I mean by that is now you flip it. You you take out the games played beforehand. We're only looking at what happens from game one of the bubble to game eight in the seating, and then onto the playoffs. And to me, the MVP does change because I think, and and you can call me crazy with his age and things like that, but I think LeBron's going to have a monster bubble. I, I think that he's going to have a, another run here and reminds everyone he watched the last dance. I'm buying into that sappy narrative. I think he's going to go inside this bubble and be the best player in it. Who would be your MVP uh, once we finish these eight seeding games? It's tough. I mean, because, you know, there's there's so many players that are poised to, you know, take it, take the next step and to really just shoot their star off in this bubble. But I, I think LeBron is an easy pick here just because, I mean, this season, you know, this was the first season he's had the entire offseason, no playoffs to prepare. And we saw, you know, what it could do, like throwing him right in the middle of MVP discussion. If the season would have went on, he might have won it over Giannis. I mean, I don't know if he would have deserved it, but, I mean, he was at least in consideration. The fact that we've had five months off, he's had time to, you know, recoup his body um, and, you know, really prepare for this bubble. And, I mean, LeBron's been in the league for so many years. He knows his time is running out. Like, he's got some years left, but his time's running out. So, every year is really important. So, yeah, I mean, playoff LeBron's a different animal. So, it, it'd be, it be kind of dumb to bet against him at this point. So I want to give you time to think about this answer. So I'm going to put the question out there first. Who's going to be the bounce back player in the bubble? Someone who you look at the, you look at the first part of the season before the shutdown, they were disappointing. And then you only look at the eight games. Of course, they bounce back. For me, it's Rudy Gobert. And I hate to say that, 
But mm-hmm. you, you look at how disappointing he was this season, even before the antics of touching the, uh, the personal stuff of the journalists and the players in the locker room, the coronavirus, even before all of that, he was still a disappointing basketball player this year. He wasn't the same on the defensive end. He, he wasn't engaged at all with the team. He was atrocious out there this season. I think that you, you refocus on this layoff. You hear all the negativity about the coronavirus thing. And then you also hear the negativity of his contract and, and the Jazz having to make a decision between him and Donovan Mitchell. It seems unlikely that they can keep both. And obviously they're going to keep Mitchell. You throw all of that in, in the mix here. I think that you can see Rudy uh, be a bounce back candidate on the defensive end to where he reminds everyone that he is an elite defender because that's something that he lost in this layoff. If you were watching the Jazz, you saw he wasn't engaged. He wasn't uh, playing with that same intensity level on the defensive end and maybe he was already going to gear back up for the postseason but it was a different Rudy out there before the layoff I think that he comes back energized he comes back engaged and kind of wants to put the negative negativity to rest because if he comes out here in these seeding games in this playoffs and he's awful again mixed with the negativity of the coronavirus and uh, his antics it's going to spiral on him. So I think that he needs a bounce back and he'll get a bounce back, at least on the defensive end. He's not going to turn into some offensive monster, but on the defensive end, he'll look like the old Rudy Gobert to me. Yeah, and I think it's a good pick. I mean, Rudy's already been doing, you know, great in the scrimmages that he's played in. Um, My pick's actually going to be out of the East and a a guy that we actually just played, and it's Ben Simmons. Um, You know, kind of a bounce back from injury and kind of a down year in terms of expectations. Uh, Down down year in terms of you're still an all-star. Like, you know, I I think Ben Simmons has a huge step that he can take, and not just from three-point shooting. I, I think this whole power forward experiment that they have at least in the half court, is really interesting. Because if you watched in that Thunder game, when Ben Simmons gets that rebound in transition, like he is, for all intents and purposes, the point guard. He is the lead guard in transition. And he's very effective in that spot. Um, but I think that, you know, having him at the power forward, being able to post up, create create out of the post is going to be great for his game. Because, I mean, we've already seen over the years, he's, he's a great playmaker. He's got a high basketball IQ. And, you know, you, you kind of look back at LeBron and his years in Miami, that's really when he took the next step um, in terms of his playmaking is when he started playing out of the post more. So I, I could definitely see that out of Simmons because, I mean, on defense, he's he's already elite. But offensively, I think that's the next step he can take without adding a consistent three-point shot. Yeah, and I don't know if you've got to listen, but on this podcast I've been saying, hey, if, if this experiment works, you see that Ben Simmons is, is embracing that power forward uh, role more uh, than he has than he was last year. Not only that, but Jimmy Butler tried to be that lead ball handler. He, he's not as good at it. It's not his primary position. Uh, you know, of course, shooting guard is. He's gotten better at it in Miami. Uh, but if Ben Simmons can embrace that power forward role and he can add to his game and he's looking good in that role with Shake Milton as his point guard, you love the fake trade maybe Philadelphia can get desperate and just give up some assets for Chris Paul and want to substitute in Chris Paul in that point guard role for Shake Milton. That's been something that's been thrown out there uh, throughout this layoff period here. I think that the 76ers being good inside the bubble can really directly impact the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, for sure. And I I think – I wouldn't say it's a ticking time bomb for the Sixers, but I I would say that – you know, they, they definitely need to see some kind of success in this bubble or it's going to be sooner or later they're going to pull the plug on the Simmons and beat experiment. But, yeah, like you said, like if if they take another step and they feel like they're one piece away, I think Chris Paul could be – I mean, he's proven he could be great for any team's culture 
at the very least, but he could definitely help the Sixers. And you even dig deeper into that storyline there. And, and the same whispers you're hearing right now around Brett Brown, you were hearing about Billy Donovan a year ago. So maybe bringing in Chris Paul can do the same thing for Brett Brown in that organization that he did for this one. So the next topic for me is breakout star because we haven't had sports for so long. We haven't had basketball for so long. There, there's really still nothing else to do. Let's sit at home and watch basketball if you want to take this virus seriously. And people are going to be forced to watch these small market teams that they otherwise haven't paid attention to uh, and notice how good these athletes and these players are. And this is not coming from the host of Locked on Thunder. This is an NBA fan speaking now as the breakout star for me is Shea. I think people kind of see the stat sheet and say, oh, he's having a nice little season. But they're going to notice in these eight seeding games and inside the playoffs how, just how impactful and just how good he is uh, as an NBA player. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of shocked you took Shea because I was going to say, I hope you don't call me a homer because I was going to take Shea. Um, I, I, I think, you know, following him throughout, you know, his career from high school, college, Clippers, and now Thunder, like, Shea gets better anytime he has time to work on his game. Like, from high school to Kentucky, he took a leap. Um, during his season at Kentucky, he, you know, a lot of people don't realize this. He was a backup point guard at Kentucky his freshman year, and he worked his way up to a lottery pick at the end of his freshman season. Like, you don't make that leap without a tremendous work ethic. And, you know, Billy and Presti have both talked about how Shea's taking his time. He's got bigger. He's really worked on his game. Um, it hasn't really reflected in terms of his shooting in the past couple bubble games, but I could tell he's worked on a shot, trying to make it quicker, more fluid, less of a wind-up motion. And, I mean, the dude's finishing. Like, the way that he can get to the rim just absolutely blows my mind. Now, the next step that he needs to make on the defensive end is, you know, just staying locked in and engaged defensively. Because I know that he has potential to be locked down defender just because of his frame and his instincts, his quick twitch muscles. I, I think he'd be a great lockdown defender, obviously, you know, with Dre and Dort and, you know, other guys like that. That's, that's not necessarily what we need from him right now. So, but offensively, yeah, man, I, I think, I think Shay's about to break out. I think he could easily average 25 in this bubble. So along those same lines for me, Oklahoma City is a surprise team in the bubble because, again, you're just going to be forced to watch them. I know they still got the afternoon uh, schedule in the bubble, so that is a time period that some people can't get to a television. But you're going to be forced to see the Oklahoma City games and notice how good this team has been. And it's not just a storybook, you know, it's not just a storybook season, a Cinderella story. They're truly a good basketball team. Do you have anyone else besides the Thunder that you're looking at as maybe a surprise team to pop inside the bubble? Hopefully not pop the bubble, but pop inside of it. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Not like a Lou will, right? <laughs> yeah. um, no, I'm actually, you know, just uh, obviously it's a bubble game, so I can't take too much away from it. But the fact that they have a guy like a Jonathan Isaac returning to their team and the fact that the Nets and the Wizards are basically zombie versions of themselves, I like the Orlando Magic to climb all the way up to the seven seed. I think they're sitting at the eight seed um, going into the seeding games. Uh, I think they get to the seven seed, and I've got a really close buddy who's an avid Raptors fan, a Raptors fan. And, you know, he's confident in his team, but he hates the matchup that the Raptors present for uh, – or that the Magic present for the Raptors, specifically Isaac matched up to Pascal Siakam. So, uh, I think the Magic could make some noise. I mean, if you look at them last year, uh, they matched up in the first round. They actually stole two games for them, and, th and they had Kawhi Leonard. So, 
that that's a team I kind of have my eye on in the East. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Raptors, but I think they could definitely, you know, make it harder than people expect on them. That fits the definition of surprise because I did not expect you to pull out your little match. I'll be <laughs> honest. But, uh, but you mentioned there that, that the Nets are terrible, the Wizards are terrible, and they're all kind of jumbled up there. You also in the West have a chance here. So will, will we see a play-in game? I mean, will the Pelicans hop up and pl- do a play-in series with the Memphis Grizzlies? Will the Portland Trailblazers pop up? Will the, the Wizards pop up? Will we see a play-in series? I, I don't think we're going to see one in the East. I just don't see the the Wizards being able to make up the ground they need because as bad as the Nets are, they still have guys like a Karis LeVert and a Jared Allen that can, uh, you know, at least help them win the games against like the Suns and the Spurs and stuff like that. I, I think it's very possible the Wizards don't win a single game in the bubble. And like, I, I'm not trying to be mean to Wizards fans. That That's just facts with the rosters that they have. Um, I do think we see a playing game for the, uh, for the West. Uh, it's unclear to me if it will be Portland or the Pelicans. Um, you know, they've, they've both had complications in terms of Dame having like a mysterious nagging injury that's held him out of a couple bubble games. And then of course Zion now just returning um, and he's in quarantine now. So it'll be interesting. If I had to put a pick on somebody to face Memphis in a playing game, I would probably take the Trailblazers just because they have a game breaker like Damian Lillard and Nurkic has looked great in the bubble. Um, I, I think he's he's returned really strong and that's huge for them. So, yeah, I, I'll take Portland. Uh, we'll probably make a playing game with the Grizzlies. Uh don't know if they'll beat the Grizzlies, but, you know, I, I think they'll make it there. So we'll have to readdress this after the bubble's over because I was agreeing with you the entire way, but I think there's no playing game in the East, but I think that in the West, the playing game will be New Orleans. So we'll see if, if yeah. either one of us are right with the playing part of it, and then we'll see who's right with the opportunity. Because I think that those are the only two teams. I think if we get a playing game, it's either New Orleans or Portland. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't, I don't think the Suns, Spurs, or even Kings really have – any kind of shot making it there and we'll talk about this after the break but to me it's New Orleans because Memphis has been given a hard schedule which would have played out had the season not stopped New Orleans has been given an easy schedule which would have played out had we not stopped uh, Zion you mentioned left the bubble and is now quarantined he's going to practice on Wednesday and I think that even if he misses this first game against the Jazz we'll talk about it after this break but the Jazz aren't good so I think that the Pelicans can still Uh, overcome that game and hopefully uh, get Zion back to full strength as we move forward here. Uh, But after this, we're going to rank the possible playoff matchups for the Oklahoma City Thunder. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So Dylan, we're back here on Locked On Thunder, and I look at this playoffs for the Thunder, and obviously if you go back to that preseason game in Tulsa against Dallas they had a 0.2% chance of making it to the postseason uh, th- this this season has been house money and it's been a fun ride I look at this first round and, and let me be clear here we're going to operate under the assumption that you have Dennis and I know this all changes if you don't I know there's a good chance that you do not have Dennis and we'll get to that in a second but 
let's first operate under the assumption Dennis is back for the postseason. And to me, this Thunder team is better than all of their possible playoff matchups. And you've got the Nuggets, the Mavericks, the Rockets, and the Jazz, who I think are are your uh, possible teams to play. How would you rank these teams in terms of teams most likely that the Thunder will beat at one and then the team least likely the Thunder would beat in the first round at four? How how would you see this playing out if you have Dennis uh, from – game one to game seven? Uh, I would say Jazz are definitely first, um, you know, just because of the chemistry issues that have been documented with Mitchell and Gobert. Uh, The loss of Bogdanovich is huge for them. I mean, that's a 20-point score on 40% shooting from three on eight attempts a game. Like, those don't just grow on trees. Like, they're going to have a hard time replacing that. Um, Up next, I struggle here, but I think I go with the Nuggets. I think I slam down Jokic versus a revitalized Steven Adams. Um, I I think that that might actually play play in favor to us in terms of a matchup. And um, I I just don't think they have the wings to really match up against, you know, Shea Gildas-Alexander and Danilo Gallinari. Um, You know, Millsap, he's he's a good defender, but I think Gallo was – on another level this year offensively. So I, I like our matchup against them. Uh, I think I'm going to go Rockets over the Mavs and I'll probably catch heat on it. But, and, and I've heard you talk about this in your show, you know, Russ is an emotional guy. He wears his heart on his sleeve on the court. And, you know, you have Ricky Rubio and Damian Willard as exhibit A and B um, to defend that statement. And if you don't think playing against the team that you poured your heart out into for, you know, 10, 11 years, like, is going to make the guy emotional. It's it, He's going to play emotionally. And, you know, at, at the same time, devil's advocate, you know, Russell Westbrook stopped taking threes at the Rockets. Russell Westbrook, you know, stopped being a jerk to the media at the Rockets. So maybe he's putting those narratives to rest. But until we see that happen, I, I have them as third. And then the Mavericks, uh, I, I will put them as our worst matchup just because – I mean, Luke has just been playing out of his mind. I mean, their offense is ridiculous um, this year. I think it's historically great. Um, Chris Stops, if he can come back and, you know, be like 80, 85% of the player that we know he could be, then that's a huge problem for us. Um, but at the same time, I don't think any of these teams, like you said, I don't think they're unbeatable. I mean, we've shown all year we've been able to beat every single one of these teams. Uh, specifically, and even the Mavericks. I, I remember Gallo locked up uh, Luka Doncic in the clutch moments there. So, yeah, I'm not scared of any of these teams, but that that I think that would be my ranking for them. Yeah, so we agree with Jazz at number one. You lose Boyan, you have terrible chemistry. Mike Conley's never fit there the way I thought he would, so I'll be honest, I was wrong on that one. But I think that they're an yeah. easy matchup for Oklahoma City. And then I've got the Rockets at two. Everything you mentioned was correct. And, and the the emotion of not only playing the Thunder, who you did pour your heart and soul out to, but you throw in the narrative of the fact that they haven't won. The Thunder have not won a first-round series since Kevin Durant left. And how pressurized would that be for Russell Westbrook not to be the one uh, who gives up that streak and to not to be the one that you beat to get past that hurdle of the first round for the first time since Kevin Durant left. And and you already know the narrative about him not being a clutch player, not being a winning player, not being someone who can uh, lead your team, blah, blah, blah. All of that false stuff. And then to compound that with, the team, you know, you're the team that gets beat by the Thunder for the first time since Kevin Durant left in the first round, it would just be a disaster for him. And, and I think old habits die hard. He'll start pressing too much. Look, this is the same guy. I, I love him. This is the same guy that got emotional and engaged in a one-on-one battle with Ricky Rubio 
And Damian Lillard, whenever it had no, it was no implication on the series. He is a a player who gets in the moment and gets heated, and it's going to boil over in that Thunder series if it happens. So I think that for Houston, uh, you know, maybe on paper you think that these teams match up well if, if you're in Houston, but emotionally, knowing Russell Westbrook, you cannot think this is a good matchup. If you're hosting Lockdown Rockets or or some uh, Houston podcast, I don't see how you could want the Thunder because of all the things that go into that with Russell Westbrook and the player that he is. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And, you know, something that I didn't even bring up is the fact that, you know, the Rockets play so small. And, you know, we've seen Adams, you know, for lack of a better term, been having a feed in the in the paint in these past couple of bubble games. So that's quite possible Adams would could dominate in that series. So, so far I've got Jazz Rockets, but I do want to ask you this while we're on the topic of Steven Adams. Is this legit? Do you think that we're going to see this on Saturday and throughout this bubble of of a more aggressive and a more offensive Steven Adams? And I hope so. I, I think the biggest hurdle that Adams has had to overcome uh, come playoff times the past couple of years is just his health. And, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that he's been able to, you know, rest and recoup his body for the past, you know, five months. Not only that, but, you know, spending time in New Zealand, just, you know, having time to relax and being around family and, you know, just kind of unwinding. I, I think that's that's great for his mindset and, you know, of course, his body going into this bubble and, you know, uh, the players had said in all these interviews going into it, like, you know, their mindset's consistent. Like, you know, we're here for a bigger purpose. We believe in this team. This is a special group. And so, yeah, I, I, I think Adams is going to kind of shock people with how he plays in here. So for me, I have the Mavericks at number three uh, because like I was a Mavericks fan before Oklahoma got a team living in Oklahoma. I'm obviously going to jump to the Oklahoma city thunder, but I've always kept up with the Dallas Mavericks ever since then. They have a historically great offense. Literally, it's not hyperbole. It's a historically great offense right up there and even better than in some stats than the Warriors, uh, you know, the 73 win Warriors. That's unquestionable. They have the mm-hmm. star power in Luka. They have uh, Chris Stops, whatever he can bring you. Uh, he's shown some rest this season, but at times he's shown what he was in New York. They have all of that. Uh, but to me, this series, if it got here, if it got to Dallas, Oklahoma City, to me, this series breaks down to clutch versus clutch. clutch. And Oklahoma City is a historically great team in the clutch. Dallas is a historically bad team in the clutch. So I'm going to take every game to be close. And in those close games, Oklahoma City wins out and they can beat Dallas in a series. Hey, absolutely, man. I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, I, I think I looked the other day, uh, OKC's net rating in the clutch is like 30.2 and Dallas is like negative 19.6. Yeah. So I, I will take that. And then I have the Nuggets at four. But again, that does not mean that I'm scared of the Nuggets. In fact, if you listen to the show, you know, I've said that the expectation level, we we shouldn't be afraid of it. Yes, this was house money coming in. Yes, if they do lose in the first round, it will not feel as devastating as it did, you know, for the last two years. But the bottom line is they've shown us who they are. The Thunder have shown us what kind of team they are. And they're a team that should beat all four of these teams in the postseason. You look at what Denver did a year ago in the postseason getting pushed to seven games by a god-awful Spurs team. Uh, we were doing cartwheels in Oklahoma City whenever we got Portland in the playoffs. What do you think Denver was doing before that series? They lose that series in seven games. I don't like the Nuggets offense and the Nuggets team when the game slows down and the playoff environment ensues. I think that the Thunder have a better leader. Uh, I, I think that the Thunder have uh, a better all-around player with Chris Paul. Jokic is obviously awesome. But as you mentioned, how does Slim Jokic play in intense environments with a beefed-up somehow he's he's continued to beef up in Steven Adams. I, I like every single one of these matchups for Oklahoma City. I think that if you have Dennis, then you're going to go to the second round. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, Dennis is a huge X factor there, but, uh, you know, something that we didn't really consider once we found out about Dennis, you know, leaving for the birth of his child is the fact that we would have Dre and it looks like we're, we're going to have Dre. So, you know, you might lose Dennis, but you have another impact player in Andre Robertson that might soften the blow a little bit. Obviously, you know, they play different roles. They're different kinds of players, but the fact that, you know, you're able to have, you know, an, another talented piece coming off the bench to help you out there uh, could could prove to be the difference in Dennis's absence. So let's talk about who you think the Thunder will actually draw out of this when the dust settles and we're getting ready for the playoffs in a couple of weeks here. Uh, for me, I have it going simply as the Jazz rotating to the bottom and then everyone else moves up. So the Jazz take the place of the Mavericks, and then from there the teams move up and you play Houston. Uh, so I think you draw Houston. Who do you think you had to predict right now that we'll be previewing uh, come playoff time? Man, honestly, uh, my head says Jazz like you're saying, but my heart just tells me that for some reason OKC is just going to match up with Houston in the first round. Uh, I, I think the Jazz uh, fall back to six, and Houston either jumps to – I think they're in five right now. Um, you know, however the cards fall, um, you know, Thunder and Rockets will be four or five matchup. And, uh, you know, I, I think it'll be great for the ratings. I think it's going to be horrible for Twitter, uh, Thunder Twitter specifically. And, the, you know, you guys hate rest narratives. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I felt like that was going to happen ever since I realized this team was a better playoff team than what anybody could have predicted. So, yeah, I'm taking Thunder Rockets. So we're going to preview this in two ways because we've been optimistic about having Dennis. There's a strong chance you're not going to have him for the, at least the first couple of games in the, in the bubble playoffs. But first, how far do you see this team going with Dennis? If you have Dennis from game one of the first round series to the end of the postseason, how far are they going for you? Because for me, it's the second round and it's a strong second round. You're going to push LA to the brink, but it ends in the second round. But where's it in for you? If you do have a fully healthy Dennis and whatever Andre can bring you, where do you have this team finishing up? Well, my official prediction is second round, like you said, you know, mm -hmm. not lying down against the Lakers, you know, pushing them, maybe taking it to six or maybe even seven. Um, but I believe this team, you know, if they really lock in defensively, if they're making their shots and they're performing in the clutch, because if you're going to beat a team like the Lakers in the second round, those games are going to be close games. You're not going to blow out the Lakers. And I think our clutch, um, our performance in the clutch will really, um, you know, pay off in those moments if it comes down to it. So I will say I think we're going to, you know, lose out in the second round, but maybe six or seven games. But I will say I think this team can make the Western Conference Finals. Absolutely. I don't think that the Lakers are unbeatable. Now, the Clippers, I'm way more pessimistic about. If they somehow got the Clippers in the second round, which I don't think is realistic or even has a chance of happening, but I'm way less optimistic about that matchup. I actually like the Lakers matchup. I just can't bring myself to officially uh, predict that they'll go to the Western Conference Finals. But let's take it down a, a level. You bring the energy. So maybe you think I'm being too pessimistic here. So because I know you love to bring the energy and you love to bring that, that enthusiasm. To me, if you don't have Dennis for a, even a game or two in this postseason, then your expectation level is to just have a hard-fought first round, and sadly, the streak continues without Kevin Durant. I, I think this team is totally different without Dennis, and that's why I've been dreading having this part of the conversation. But with Andre that we've seen in this scrimmage, maybe you have a different feeling. Where do you see this team? Let's, let's handicap it at he misses one playoff game. 
where do you see him if he misses one or two playoff games? Uh, one playoff game, one to two playoff games, I, I think we can still advance. You know, like, like I said with Dre, he, he just gives you another wrinkle you can throw at people defensively. You know, Andre Robertson was sitting on the sidelines when Donovan Mitchell was torching our team. Do- Andre Robertson was sitting on the sidelines when Damian Wilbert was torching our teams in the playoffs. Like, he's had to sit there for two years and kind of witness this happen. And, you know, we've seen that he's moving well. Um, he's he's still got his defensive instincts. You know, Shea said he's the smartest defensive player he's ever seen. Like, defense doesn't go away. I don't care how long you've been away from basketball. Like, you remember how to play defense. Your shot might be rusty, but you remember how to play defense. So, I think Dre can be a real impact player for us in terms of, you know, guarding perimeter players like that. And something that we have now that we didn't even have back then is we have very capable you know, secondary defenders behind Andre Robertson, and Willie Dorr, and even Terrence Ferguson, who we who was a rookie when we played Jonathan Mitchell in the playoffs. And, you know, he wasn't ready for that moment. And I'm not even saying necessarily he is right now. I'm saying, you know, in spurts, as a third defender, like, you love Terrence Ferguson, you know, in that – in that um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? In that situation, yeah. So, yeah, honestly, man, I, I think we can still make it out of the first round um, just because a lot of these teams, I think it's going to come down to defense. That's not to diminish what Dennis does for us offensively, but I think Shea steps up if Dennis uh, has to take an absence. And I think Dort steps up. You know, he played point guard in college, and he showed uh, yesterday against the Sixers that he's got a little bit of playmaking chops to him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we still advance to the second round if Dennis misses a couple games. If he misses the whole series, that might be a different story. But a couple games, yeah, I think we still advance. So I think we've done a great job. I appreciate the time here of previewing the bubble and really getting into both the NBA landscape and the Oklahoma City landscape of this. Let's end it with our official predictions for the conference finals and the NBA finals. So for me, Western Conference, I'm going to go chalk L.A. versus L.A., Eastern Conference, I'm going to go Raptors versus Bucks. And in the East, you see a lot differing opinions on this. Mostly everyone has LALA. But in the East, you've got some Boston people. You've still got some Philly people. And then, of course, you've got the Raptors and Bucks here. Uh, I'm going to go championship. NBA Finals will be Raptors upsetting the Bucks again and Clippers. I guess maybe upsetting the Lakers, depending on how you look at that matchup. I think the Clippers are a better team. Uh, So Raptors versus Clippers, my NBA champion again is the Toronto Raptors. I I have Nick Nurse is the best coach in the NBA. I love what Ibaka and Gasol have been able to do, even at their old age. I love Pascal Siakam. Kyle Lowry has been awesome this year. You have Fred Van Vliet, OG, Chris Boucher. I I love their depth. I love their team. The Raptors are getting slept on right now. They're my NBA champion. Tell me I'm crazy. What do you got in the West and the East and in the NBA Finals? No, I don't think you're crazy. You know, um, that's been something that a lot of analysts have been bringing up in terms of consistency and players not missing time due to injury or, you know, sickness or illness, you know, coronavirus at this moment in time. Like, Raptors are one of those teams that, you know, have – fortunes kind of favored them you know at this point in the bubble so uh I I definitely think you know that could carry on you know through the playoffs and you know potentially a championship I mean I think they've got a great roster top to bottom like you saying and they're one of the best coach teams in the league so absolutely uh that being said that's not my prediction for the east um I definitely have Milwaukee there you know, Giannis has just been ridiculous, and Chris Middleton has been having a great year as well. Um, I actually have Philly meeting them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, like I said, you know, I just – as I said earlier, I think Ben Simmons 
you know, takes that next step offensively in terms of his playmaking and it kind of opens up their offense a little bit. Um, and yeah, I've, I've got Milwaukee and Philly, but I've got Milwaukee coming out of the East and then the other side. I mean, if I'm being extremely pessimistic and not picking my thunder because as bad as I want them to, I think the Lakers still advance and I think they inevitably meet the Clippers unless, you know, Russ and Harden get hot. But, yeah, I think it's Lakers-Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. But I've got the Lakers going to the championship. Playoff LeBron is hard to handle. At that point, it's kind of a toss-up. But I, I'm, I think I'm going with the Lakers just because, like I said, man, playoff LeBron is a different animal. He's motivated. He has one goal in mind. And he's got his running mate in Anthony Davis. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I got the Lakers there. So, for you, is that also the best TV matchup in terms of, look, me and you are going to watch whatever matchup they throw at us. So, they could throw Pacers, you know, Memphis out of this. We'd watch it. In terms of capturing the biggest audience you can, do you think that LeBron Giannis is, does that? Or do you think there's another matchup that you could put together to overtake that? Because I think it is LeBron Giannis. No, yeah, I think it's absolutely LeBron Giannis. And it kind of, it's kind of the throwback matchup that you always wanted. Uh, you always wanted to see Kobe and LeBron meet up in the finals. And you know, they got close one year. It, it didn't quite happen. But, you know, it, this is kind of the passing the torch moment for Giannis. You know, he's he's been close. He almost made it last year. Then Kawhi happened. Um, you know, you can't fault him for that. He just wasn't ready for the moment. But I, I think he's ready this year. I think, you know, he's gone into this season and he's shown in his production that, you know, it's different this year. He has a different mindset. And, you know, his, his time – isn't running short in Milwaukee. They'll keep him there as long as he wants to stay. But the question is, how long will he want to stay? But I, uh, I do believe that LeBron Giannis is the matchup that the NBA definitely wants to see in the finals. And, you know, whatever the outcome may be, I think it's great for the NBA. So this has been awesome. Let them know again where they can find your game day tweet come Saturday morning as we get ready for the uh, Thunder Bubble. And I know you're doing some writing as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, my Twitter is at ThunderChats, uh, as I used to say in my old pod, at TH UnderChats. Um, I actually do a podcast with a few guys. Uh, it's called the Topic Thunder Podcast. That's at OKC Topic Thunder. And I'm currently writing for Overtime Heroics and DailyThunder.com. Uh, you guys can check them out at DailyThunder and at OT underscore Heroics. Listen, the, the scrimmage game, they tweets get you going. They've got to get you going. But nothing is going to match your game day tweet on a game day that actually matters in the NBA. And it's a regular season and things are on the line come Saturday. So this was fun. I appreciate your time and we'll have to do it again soon. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked On Thunder. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.